Hello and welcome back to Cowl Fans, the casual fans home for Overwatch League news. You're we're coming at you from Discord. Oh man. In Tampa, Florida. I'm Alurimore. I'm Haller. And uh before we jump into everything, a couple of housekeeping things that I think are important for our our regular viewers to know. First off, um my job has changed, which means we no longer have access to the studio at First Brandon. Um, so until we get another space set up to do it together in, in, in person, we will be Discord streaming, or not streaming, podcasting for a while. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, which means so, fluffy, adorable animals in the video if you're a video watcher. That's true. That's true. There could be fluffy, adorable animals in the video. Um, so, there. That is the updates. I did it. I'm so good at this. How are you doing? I'm exhausted. I, I, I can tell. Fun first, first week uh, at work. Yeah, the new, the new job is amazing, but super intense. <laughs> I, uh, I love it, though. So, it's gonna be awesome. Alright, um, yeah, let's... Let's hop in here now, I guess. So, Let's hop in. we're going to start with our local hometown buddies, the Florida Mayhem. Look at that. Is that different colors? Actually, the, the, the people on the camera can only see, like, from the top button up. Oh, okay. Here, yeah. what if I like There that? you go. There you go. Boom. 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 Look at these <clears throat> colors. Pink and blue, baby. Pink and blue. The Mayhem have elected to change their colors, and it has been approved, finally. Um, with Woo! pink, blue, and black being their colors, with black seemingly being the most dominant of the three yeah, colors. Yeah, it's the primary. Yeah. Which I think is a very smart move on their behalf, stopping yes. them from going full Hangzhou spark on us. <laughs> Looks very yep. good, very clean. Mm -hmm. um, and alongside those changes... Also came color changes down the pipeline for the Valiant and the Shock. Valiant yes. are turning from their green and gold to a uh, bit of a blue and yellow. And the Shock are dropping orange as their primary color and adding in gray. Well, they always had gray, too. Well, now it's more of like a silver. Where there it is. Where it was like more of like a pastel gray or it was whatever. like orange it's like yellow black, and gray. gray and then orange and now it's like black gray and orange orange gray and gold yeah i think it was orange gray and gold before so um also a nice sleek look for the shock um valiant colors don't look great but valiant's marketing team marketing team is doing a really good job of playing off the fact that they're getting everything leaked i feel terrible for them but yeah they're making it look good they're making it look good it's the Valiant one is really weird. Like I re I really like the shock one. I like the darker colors now with just a hint of orange and that orange pops. Like I'm sure you've seen the skins. Like though that orange it is looks just good. Like, it really sticks out, it really adds a lot of color to the to their um skins. I really like the shock skins. Um and then obviously I like the main one mayhem ones too. But I know the Valiant have been getting a lot of flack. Yeah. Probably deservedly um, yep. for their change. I mean, we already have a ton of blue teams. Um, Vancouver, New York, 
Guangzhou, Dallas, Boston. And then theirs is, they're basically Boston, except they're blue, yellow, and white instead of blue, yellow, and black. And their blue is a bit lighter. It's like closer to, oh, I forgot London and Paris. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of blue teams. Um, but their blue is closer to London. It's like, it's a very bright blue. Right, right. But it's still, everybody loved the green and gold. It was very unique. It looked good. Like, even I made sure to buy, like, I bought a, a Valiant Genji skin before it goes away because I really like how it looks. Yeah. But have you have you read any of their posts that they've made, like, in regards to why they made it? It seems like Overwatch League was asking them to change their colors because the green was affecting broadcasting somehow like they want to do a little bit more Ugh. like green screen kind of stuff and the valiant being majority green was making that difficult okay so that's pot that's a pot that's true and possible here's the real yeah. issue with that though um just as easily as they could do green screen because i'm imagining this is mostly for like team efforts and things that they're trying to do as a as a unit there mm-hmm there is also such a thing as a blue screen, which operates the same way as a green screen. There was no need for them to do this. They could have simply changed their equipment for the Valiant purposes. Do you Not think it would have been deal. an issue, though? Like, let's say it's, like, Valiant playing Boston. Sure. So, like, old Valiant. Yeah, if it was old Valiant against Boston, there's, I mean, the can blue... Can sc- orange screen? Technically, <laughs> you can... It's called. It's a system called chroma key, and you can chroma okay. key out any color. Okay. As long as it's a consistent color. The problem is it's really hard to get consistent colors across a mm. screen, which you know from when we were trying to do green screen work in the studio. Yes. Yep. So um, green and blue just are the best tools to use for it. But realistically, yes, they could use any color they wanted to. They could do a, mm. a black or a white backdrop as well and chroma key those out just as mm-hmm. easily as a green screen or a blue screen. Just just different just different things that they could do. Um, but I, as far as green screens and production efforts go, if the league asked them to change that for those kinds of issues, yeah, that's, to me, that screams just lazy league. That does not sound good. I, yeah. I would never have asked that of them. Um, yeah. It's very silly. Yeah. And I mean, at least the blue, like the blue and white and yellow, at least it like kind of fits the theme in the Valiant. Right. Um, especially when they've got like the whole Vala Angel kind of thing going on. Yeah. Um, so I like the colors for the team. It's just unfortunate that they did it so late because now it's just, if it, they just feel like another blue team, you know, they lost a lot of that originality <clears throat> that they had, which is especially bad considering we've talked about this on the show quite a number of times. LA Valiant fans have no reason to be as loyal as other teams get loyalty from their teams. Like, even when Florida was doing terrible, we still rooted for Florida Mayhem because. We live in Florida, right? Right. So most teams have like that geolocation loyalty. That's one of the draws of the Overwatch League. Valiant, they're in the same city as the Gladiators. Right. And they've already made a lot of moves that make it look like this team ain't going to be hot. 
The, yep. And if you're getting rid of, like, and you've kind of stripped away your season one and season two team that a lot of your fans have already fallen in love with, you picked up a lot of players that don't seem overly promising, and now you change their colors. Like, is this, are LA Valiant fans even going to cheer? feel like they're cheering for the LA Valiant anymore? Or is this going to feel like an entirely new team to them? And will they just gravitate over to the LA Gladiators who have one of your ex-players faced? Yeah, I think that's a very real possibility. I think it's a huge issue for the Valiant right now. So I, I don't think the timing is good for them. No, I think honestly, with the, with the fact that they weren't going to add any new teams in this upcoming season, they're moving to geolocation, I probably mm -hmm. wouldn't have approved any color changes still your teams are two years old I, yeah. I, know, I know they desperately wanted them even as as a mayhem fan i'm happy yeah. that the mayhem have changed their colors but as an overall league fan i'm concerned that only two years into this league people are already going yeah let's rebrand if you're rebranding you know mm -hmm. esports is a fast moving situation most of the time yep and one of the things that the league, you could tell, was trying to do was kind of elongate that a little bit. We want people to be able to have basic minimum salaries, a reason to keep mm -hmm. playing. There, mm -hmm. You really don't want to see people playing for one or two years and then ditch. You want to see people play for a long time. And, you know, when Nate Dancer was in showing this whole thing at the beginning, I want to see mm -hmm. a dad and his kid come to the Overwatch League and this kid grows up loving it like kids grow up loving their football teams with their dads right now. It's a, yep. it's an awesome idea. Mm -hmm. Rebranding after only two years reduces a lot of that stability. And now there's 20 teams, only three of them did it, sure. But I also can't remember at all the last time any team in any other major league changed their colors outright like this. Like, the Shock, I think, were the most acceptable ones out of all of these. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, they, they just kind of maintained their orange idea. Yeah. They just sort of yeah. sleeked it out. The Meanwhile, the Mayhem said, forget all of what we just were. Let's do something totally different. And then the Valiant, the same thing. We were green and gold. We're going to be blue and gold. And well, you're talking about how many... Gold, it's yellow. Yeah, it's and yellow. And so... <laughs> but their primary color is going from green to blue. Our primary colors are going from yellow to... Um, black and black. meanwhile the shock are still hey sort of a yeah. gray base with these orange accents and we look really mm. cool doing it at least nobody's changing their logos which that does happen in professional sports a lot i can't think of a color change example off right. the top of my head although i'm pretty sure it exists it, it, it probably exists. does i'm just not but aware of it at least nobody's changed cities yet and nobody's nobody's changing logos so at least there's like some continuity yeah, I, it, it's just a little odd. It's a little concerning to me as somebody who wants this thing to last a long time. Um, it's mm. not, it's not, uh, I think today we're going to hit several concerning things. Yeah. That's, that sort of goes without saying, given the news that's been going on. But yeah. um, none of them make me fear for the life of the league. You know, I don't, no. I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, this is the last season of the league because of these things. But I right. am I am thinking, oh, maybe this league isn't going to last for the 10 to 20 years minimum that I was hoping to get out of it. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm starting to become a little concerned about that. Um, and, and we'll get through that as we keep going forward. Um, which, yeah. actually, the next thing that we're going to hit is definitely going to be part of that puzzle, a piece of that puzzle. So we have a bunch of talent not here anymore. 
We have mm-hmm. Monty's gone. Doa is gone. Puckett is gone. Similar. All gone. Um, and as of like three hours ago. Yeah, similar. Just so, just did. I think I think we're, this Monday we're, morning. we have a pretty good chance of being the first podcast to be talking about this. Yeah, provided it gets edited <laughs> like, and up really really at fast. Four in the morning Eastern time. Similar decides that's the time I'm going to make the tweet. Yeah, so this is now officially like the shortest episode ever, so that I can get it edited and pushed out before we go to work. <laughs> Let's just end it there. Yeah, there it is. Okay, bye, guys. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You heard it here first. No, so, um, and and meanwhile, Sideshow and Brad are transitioning off of the desk to be casters. So the desk is currently Zoe, as far as I'm aware. Unless yes, that's where ZP it, is going. It, it very much, no. ZP is casting with Jake. Okay, so we've got Jake, Z, Jake and ZP are now casting. Custa is yes. ca- is a caster or a desk analyst? He's on, He's on the desk. Custa's on the desk. Custa's on the desk, and they haven't outright said Zoe is on the desk, but if you, like, read between the lines of all her tweets... She's back in L.A. She's back in L.A. when she tweets about, like, towards people who are joining. Right. Like, not even the people who are leaving, because everyone's like, oh, Dad, I'm not going to be working with you, even the people who ended up leaving later. Um... But, like, for Zoe, when people, when new people join, it's, I'm excited to work with you. Yeah. Um, she's still doing a lot of content creation that Overwatch League is tweeting out. Granted, that could have been recorded months ago. Right. But um, it, it still very much feels like Zoe should at least... Well, what I'm imagining is that Zoe was on a two-year contract, and all these people were on two-year contracts. And Zoe's isn't up yet. Well, she's been on. She's been in the league for two years. Has she? Was she in the first yeah. year? Yeah, she uh, oh, did I... interviewing then. Oh, that's right. She wasn't a desk analyst. She would sometimes be on the desk. That's true. But she mostly did the interview. Right. I didn't think. I forgot because she wasn't actually on the desk. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess she did decide to stay. So, um, the uh, the one singular thread that's been through everybody who has left the league has been, thank you, Nate Nanzer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I mean, I think I could just say that. We could probably stop, but I'm not going to. Um, Monty's thread, I think, was one of the most thorough as far as reasons why he was leaving, even though it was also quite mm-hmm. vague because, um, well, out of necessity, this is what he does for a living. If he gets sure. too attacky and he feels like he would like he to come back, or right? Anything like that, right? Who would want to hire him, right? And I know that's a struggle for him because he also like really wants to see truth in journalism and in reporting. So for him to mm-hmm. him not burning bridges can sometimes be a challenge for him. So he's being very mature about the whole thing. Yeah. Um. So, but he cites creative differences as se- seemingly his primary thing. So mm-hmm. with him being one of the people who sort of built this talent team. Yes. And and having this creative difference and then seeing all the other talent leave behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a concern for me. One of the Overwatch League's strongest points is its talent team. Um, hands sure. down, they're very entertaining. They're very knowledgeable. They're very thorough. And they do a great job casting, analyzing, mm-hmm. and all the things that they do. And I know some of the things that Monty and Dilla were really big on was having good quality talent and casters, but also being able to broadcast live from the venue where they were at, where the events were going on. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I kind of have getting the feeling that that's mo- the most likely thing that's going to come up next. It feels like... So a- they've, they've actually ahead. already confirmed that. So casting will happen at the venue. The analyst desk will be in a studio in LA. Okay, good. I so hadn't think seen about that. about it like a floor, a, a, um, how it works for the, um, the playoffs for football. Right. Um, casting happens at the venue, but they have a studio in LA and New York that they throw to. Awesome. During halftime. Well, that's actually that's actually very exciting to me because um, that's that's a good way I think to do it. I think it's okay for the analyst desk to be back in the studio in LA, mm-hmm. um, as long as the casting is still able to be in the space. And I and I feel like that that'll be really great. So I was concerned about that. I'm glad you saw that. Thanks. Uh-huh. Then hey, then that only leaves me with one other concern, which is it doesn't feel like there's enough casting teams to do this without them dying. Yes, I, I think we're, we're definitely going to be l- losing and mix-matching. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's still some more casters left to go. Um, just considering the, the travel consequences. Right. Like, like I've our, M- Mr. X is a recent newlywed, right? right? I imagine being away from his spouse nine months of the year isn't going to be the most appealing idea so maybe he'd want to make a transition to the desk if he wants to stay in overwatch league right sure um so i could see things like that still coming of place um hex is right now floating in space i can't imagine hex leaving the league no i don't Um, think so yeah it's just like the semler the semler leave i kind of saw coming Semler's been everybody's been saying Semler's living his best life right now. And yes, he, he does his but stuff his on the weekends. His best life was outside Overwatch, right? Yeah. Overwatch to him was just a job. It was. And he really, when you were watching, especially last year, it was pretty clear that Semler didn't love Overwatch. <laughs> um Semler he liked it. He loved Farah, but <laughs> The whole yep. game of Overwatch, he didn't seem as enthralled. And, like, especially um, the video starting to go around again of, like, um, Semler's greatest hits from CSGO. Um, there's a passion there when he's casting that we never got to experience as an Overwatch League player. Mm. Um, so, although I did like Semler, um, especially I really liked his personality. Um, casting aside, I just Semler was an interesting and person um so sad to see him go but it does leave room all these all these people leaving bring gives the opportunity for new talent to come into the league like zp is coming into the league which is a great thing Um, but also that's kind of a two-edged sword because zp was one of my favorite casters outright i love zp me too um Mm -hmm. I know that things that I love are often unpopular and not wise decisions for people trying to appeal to large audiences. Right. I have concerns. ZP's your nerd's nerd, you know? He is. He (laughs) really is. And I love it. And I'm so So glad that he's here personally. But as far as league-wise, I'm not not certain that was the best decision. I think... And I think having someone like Jake as his duo will work really well because... Jake is something that I think a lot of um, like non-nerds can relate to. Um, so I think I think they're a good balance for each other. 
and they have enough like common connections. Yeah. Honestly, I'd probably say Jake's a bit nerdier than ZP. Like ZP's like a sports nut, um, and a lot of those things. Like ZP's very similar to Hex, and if Hex can make it, I think ZP can make it. Maybe he has to adjust a couple things now that he's going to be on the main broadcast. Yeah, probably not going to be able to I talk think, about I raid think, bosses so much. I think he'll say it. I don't I'm certain he will. I'm, I hope so that he does. But I also hope that he doesn't. I'm experiencing a great conflict within me. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, uh, it'll be fun, though. I mean, I, I'm really glad for him because even, like, to this day, like, you'll hear references of Mondata's gold on in, um, on the OWL, in the OWL broadcast by, like, people like um, Hex or even Uber will reference it when you go to Nepal. So yeah. like those those classic old ZP references because yeah. there's a lot of them. Um, if you don't know ZP, you'll, you'll you'll hear little things throughout the broadcast and you'll be like, oh, that's ZP they're referencing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's good to have someone like that who's been a veteran in the scene come into play. And now you have people like Jake and Custa as well joining the league broadcast. I think that's only going to be. I think those are outright good things. Yes, they're they're great personalities. And I think it's a good thing for more um, to kind of have that path after pro um, available for the Overwatch League talent to be able to then, or Overwatch League players, then transition into talent, which is what you see in most like sports leagues today. Most of your commentators and um, analysts, they used to be Overwatch League players and or they used to be football professional players football players or, or baseball players or hockey players or whatever the situation is. right um i think that means the insight's only going to get better and like we already i know for you especially like having people like reinforce who can give those kind of insights was a really great thing so to be able to have people who have that camera forward personalities like custa like jake to be yeah. able to give those same sorts of insights, um, I think I think it'll only benefit the league. Yeah, I agree. I think I think so. M- many of these things, the additions are all good for the most part. Um, I just mm. it's it's the people who are leaving and the reasons why they're leaving yeah. that are a concern. So knowing that they're casting in the spaces makes me really wonder what Monty's creative differences were. So because I don't feel Monty, like his. I I feel like I know what it is. Okay, and I think losing Monty. Because I think out of everyone, like, Puckett is probably going to still be very involved in Overwatch League. Sure. He's just trying to change his role. He's already talked about how he wants to be at as many homestands as he possibly can, but he wants to be a host at the venue. So he didn't want to just sit in L.A. in the studio. Mm. He wanted to be at the event, so he would be doing more of, like, of what you saw Golden Boy do in Atlanta, gotcha. right? Or, um, or in L.A. Yeah. That's the sort of thing that Puckett wants. So Puckett's probably still going to be around and still going to be traveling. He just wants to travel. He's a weirdo. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But I kind of lost my train of thought there. Where was I going? What do you think Monty's creative differences were? Thank you. Um, So with Monty, um, I think his creative difference was in the very Overwatch League model itself. And I think... It was good to have Monty in the league to meet middle ground, which Nate Nanzer was good at doing, and apparently Pete was not. Right. Um, so I think losing him is a shame, but I think it's better for the league if you're going to go full one direction, that you go full Pete instead of full Monty. Um, so to break down a little bit more what I mean is, 
Monty just didn't like the league model. He thinks regular seasons are boring. Mm. Um, he likes tournaments. He thinks tournaments are exciting. So, uh. um, stage stage playoffs last year. That was a very very Monty driven initiative. If you had listened to Monty's podcast, he laid out the stage playoff format very very early on. It's something he would want to see, and when. When you would hear Monty lay out these kind of ideas of what he had for the Overwatch League, you would often see pieces of it be implemented in a few months later. Um, gotcha. So he he was more involved in the competitive formatting. And, and that's where I feel like the differences came, because now you see in the new season, we're moving away from um, the, the stage playoff model. Yeah. He did... I imagine having the midseason tournament, I wouldn't be surprised if that was very much a Monty battle. Yeah, um, and I know he... he I, I'm following you now. I'm picking up there okay. because I also know he, he he prefers games where you have map picks and eliminations like that, that are the loser picks the next map. And I don't think... Yes. That, it doesn't look like we're moving to that either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't heard whether or not we're moving to best of fives, but he really thought that playing to four maps was stupid. <laughs> so... Yes, we have. We're playing. They they announced that at BlizzCon, um, in the little okay. owl, lot special edition watch point. They said um, that it's it's first to three. So if you've won three maps, it's over. Okay. Yeah. They're, they 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 won't play the fourth map. Yeah. So those are definitely probably Monty driven things too. Then because yes, and, and and I agree with with those as well. Um. Yeah, I think I think he's brought a lot of positive change to the league. Like a lot of the things he's wanted have been good. Yeah. But Monty also says like anything you see traditional sports do, you should do the opposite. Because mm. he view, views the traditional sports format as an as an outdated format. I see. And I think ultimately that sort of mindset doesn't mesh well with the Overwatch League. And though I really like a lot of the insights and a lot of the changes he did try to make, yeah. I think if he went anywhere much further past what he's already done, I think it would have then started to be a net negative. I understand. I understand. So then... So I'm sad to see him go, but I, I, th- I think it was inevitable. Yeah. Um, really, with the Overwatch League model, he would have eventually hit a point I think he we could have gotten a couple more years out of him if we didn't if there wasn't a leadership change higher up yeah. um, that was less inclined to work with him, but I think we would have eventually hit that point where the creative differences would have would have split. And Monty is someone who wants to be more involved at a higher level. Like I think right. I wouldn't be surprised if you never see Monty cast again. Yeah, I any game. I agree with that assessment as well. But speaking of higher level leadership, um, just because I mentioned it really quick earlier, um, everybody thanked Nate Nanzer and nobody yeah. thanked Pete. And I think that is a testament mm-hmm. to what Nate was really doing with the whole yeah. team there and a lack of Pete doing those things with his team. Yep. Um, and I think that's the most important conversation that you could have looking at what's happened in the past four days. And I don't think that's right. the conversation most people are having. I agree. And so I just want to look at this and go, I'm looking at this and thinking, okay, so everybody who was working there at the beginning is really still happy with Nate Nanzer. So that tells me yep. that probably there wasn't a disjointedness or an 
or a frustration between Nate and the people in the league itself. That tells me there was probably something between that happened causing Nate Nanzer to leave between him and the people above him because Blizzard, I think, technically owns the league. Right? Yes. So it's a it's a branch of Blizzard. Right. Yeah. Right. So that means somebody higher up at Blizzard, like say Pete and him, weren't getting along well. And I get the feeling that he was kind of forced out and not necessarily a willing lever. I'm not I'm not sure if that happened. I'm not sure either. None of us will be Fortnite sure. Had to have stupid money. Like all things considered. Like Fortnite just has a lot of money. Sure. They they've been self funding their tournaments and it's not like they're having they've, they've they've had the biggest prize pools in the history of esports right right so um it's it's not like he went to somewhere that was clearly a step down from the overwatch league. oh yeah no 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 but i could see um there being conflicts at higher levels that maybe made this the decision to go to fortnite a bit easier for me well for sure you just got to think about think about it like this you know because Overwatch League was Nate's baby, and he wasn't just working yes. on it when it started. He was working on it years before it started, Yep. conceptualizing it, determining how he thought this needed to go, making this whole thing work out. Yeah, so if people don't know, like he literally like sat down at a cafe with Jeff Kaplan and laid out his idea before Overwatch was even released of his vision for a localized esports league. Right. So this was like, this is really the brainchild of Nate Nanzer. Mm-hmm. And so it's as somebody who uh, who who has brain children at his job, it is very hard to leave those behind. Like, yeah, it's hard to leave those behind for even for much better pay. Um, mm-hmm. So when you go to that place, when you get to the point where you're ready to do that, something significant is wrong somewhere else for you to be right. even considering that as an option. So. That that is not good, and that does not bode well as far as I'm concerned right. for the overall success here. Um, mm-hmm. When the person who was most passionate about making this succeed and had a clear vision in mind yeah. has been sort of ousted, um, mm-hmm. and maybe he wasn't really forced out. Maybe he was just really, really unhappy. But I can't imagine that there was there there had to have been something more going on that made him feel like he needed to leave and everybody else misses him very. It's very clear to me that they all miss him. So this Mm -hmm. is a conversation that I hope more people start having, because I would really love to know at some point why it is that Nate Nancer ultimately decided to leave. Cause it's not just that they threw a ton of money at him and he couldn't say no. Right. Something else was going on for him to leave his, his baby like this. So, um, yeah. I can definitely see that. And then I think there's concerns for the future, too, that you can draw from this as well, considering we have yet to see an Overwatch League team that wasn't negotiated by Nate Nanzer. And from everything you read um, from the Overwatch League talent and general interviews, um, it's, it seems like like when Nate talks about what his primary role was um, as the commissioner of the Overwatch League, a lot of it was selling franchises. Right. Um, and clearly he was very good at this yes yes um so i feel concerned about the health of the league in the future if 
here's the guy who was able to sell the vision of the Overwatch League. And everybody around him seemed to love his vision. And now you have Pete, who at least internally is having trouble selling his vision. Is he going to be able to sell his vision then to the business elite? He very well might. Because right. oftentimes the business elites and the people below them, they don't see eye to eye. So he very well might do well, but it just it we haven't had to have any team actually be negotiated by someone who isn't Nate. Um, and then you have all this negative press within the past few weeks in the wake of Monty leaving. Yeah. I, I, I worry a little bit for, for what that means for, for um future franchising and the health of the league. It's going to be an interesting ride here, um, and really a lot of it will come down to um, the the process that Pete wants to follow to get us to whatever level of localization he wants. It feels that it feels a lot like the homestand weekends might be Pete's goal, and that concerns me. If he doesn't try to push for a full localization next yeah. year. Because homestands are going to wreck your people. I mean, after homestand this year, I'm expecting we're going to lose like 25% of the of the Overwatch League players and casters because of the travel and the lack of being at home. It's going to be a nightmare. I think, yeah, homestands to me come, out, come off as a very selfish move. I yes. think the Blizzard League, the Overwatch League office decided that it would be too much of a broadcasting headache to figure out how they were going to keep the quality of the broadcast going in with every with like potentially 10 different markets playing at the same time right so they decided they could do the homestand where they can have just two broadcast teams that they can control and it makes it easier for them but it's such a bigger burden on the teams and the players exactly exactly so the selfish is definitely a word that i would use a lazy also comes to mind and I kind of wrote all that up in that article that I did for Popped Off when they first announced right. that this was their plan, because I feel the same way. The Their whole thought process of, well, if we can't sell out a 2,000-seat stadium, we're not going to do it, is, like, hyper-selfish. I mean, right. I, I, just crazy selfish. And the teams could take on a lot of that burden if you would just let them sell the amount of seats that their market can actually sustain. It would be a lot. Mm-hmm. It would be a lot better off, I think, for everybody. Even if you created stringent standards and maybe a standards committee that went out and took care of that kind of a thing. So, um, yeah. So those are just going to be things that we're going to have to watch out for. And because you're going to have to. Um. Yeah. So, um, and then the last piece of information that we want to hit today. I, um, it wasn't going to be my last piece. I had something else, but I couldn't remember it. Didn't write it down. So. Um, Bedosin to Soul Dynasty. Um, yeah, so that just happened. Yeah, so that should be really interesting. So my knee-jerk reaction was, Soul should be really good. But then, so... Did you read Sideshow's tweet after that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought about that, and then I was also just... I have a... Um, basically a formulated power ranking so i could just plug in the numbers adjusted to bedosin and then okay. see where soul comes out and soul rose a lot in my power rankings but then where i where i saw that they could slip it was only slipping like most teams i could see like have a higher ceiling they land like somewhere in the middle soul for me landed very high but only had like room lower to go down under that there was, there was no room to go up 
And it's like they've basically just become, as basically Sideshow alludes to, they've, they've become the, the sole spitfire, right? You've got <laughs> Gesture, you've got Profit, you've got Bedosian. These three incredible players, but have never really consistently, I can't say that they haven't met their potential because they won the grand finals in the right. inaugural season, but they haven't consistently met their potential. They've often, they'll just... They'll look like the best team in the league by far, stage one, inaugural season playoffs, and then but other times they just they look lost and floundering and frustrated. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Seoul can manage that, particularly since looking at the Seoul roster, it looks like a weaker roster than what London had. Like you don't have Fury anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bird Ring defeats arguments both ways um also nuss to toby i'm not hot on either of them yeah so they're they're pretty similarly based with maybe a slight edge because just fury is that good not that michelle isn't but fury is just like almost by by in a way at least when we were playing diva the yeah. best diva player right so it'll be interesting to see um sideshow recommended that they play marvel I'm over gesture over gesture yeah i would say not necessarily outright need to do that but definitely keep marvel on the table yeah one I... of the strengths i see for soul is that gesture and marvel last year i really considered both top five main cards. sure and if they make them so. compete against each other sort of internally for the for that mm-hmm. spot um i think that will force gesture to get his head back in the game which can only end well right because sometimes gesture will gesture is one of the bigger floundering pieces Bedosin always held his own profit always held his own they always took really good care of things and that's why sideshow is recommending that they just play marvel over gesture because gesture is really the weakest link out of those three but last year he was like that but even when london was doing bad in like stage three stage four of lat of the inaugural season before they had their playoff run it's not like Gesture wasn't doing well. Like Gesture, Fury, Bedosin, and Profit were popping off. It was like Bird Ring that was just doing bad. Right. So there's, it's always been something weird. Like it never made sense why this team wasn't doing good because Gesture was having amazing plays. Profit was having amazing plays. Gesture and Profit together were combining for amazing plays on the Winston Tracer dive. Um, they would just be able to do their own dive. Yeah. And well, maybe like the team was too split. We like haven't Gesture seen a dive in a long time. Everybody. Yes. Which is why Gesture didn't look as good last year. Right. I think you can't just say all the fault falls on Gesture. Because oh, no. Gesture has done great when the team has been doing bad. Yes. Oh, no. I'm not saying all the fault falls on Gesture. I'm thinking just between these three that Soul has right. picked He's up. Been the most He's the weakest link. So if you can get him to be the to have a reason to have to stay consistent... Or even just mm-hmm. swapping out to whichever one is being the most consistent that week between him and Marvel, um, if you keep them internally competing like that, I think you'll wind up with a really strong team that way. Um, but I agree with you. It does feel like they have a high initial ceiling, but not a ton of room to grow. Um, but that's just based on these players' past performances. Most of them have these highs yeah. that are good, but then they just slip. They don't ever seem to oh my gosh, he outshone himself really well this time. No, he went and did the good things that he does this time, you know? Right. So. And I think you could, um, this could actually be 
the like a blessing or a curse like this meta that's coming up for soul because we saw marvel has a pretty good sigma you could actually just play gesture marvel um and we know gesture gesture is literally the only orissa to ever make a name for itself right <laughs> um so this I, could I think did really good as an orissa when we picked him up in florida Sure, and there's a lot of players who have done good, but did they really like seem like they were buying away the best Arissa? Like, did they really differentiate themselves the way no, Gesture did in no, the inaugural season? Like, not like that, but I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't say though that Fate's skill on Arissa compared to what he had been doing just before then on other tanks wasn't pretty, pretty impressive. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, and I think that was true for a lot of players, but so. it's it's. Right, but it's also hard to look good on Orisa because of that that's, same yeah, reason. That's the other thing. And and fate yep. looked good, and gesture yep. looked really yep. good. So we'll just have to yeah. see how that goes out. Yeah, but I, I worry for Soul um, with if it is a May Hanzo meta again, because when they were playing in London, I think you really would have wanted Profit on the carry role, but he had to play May because um, Birdring couldn't. Yeah, and Elicit I think is a weak link on Soul, especially on his May last stage four when they were trying to play him in that role. Like, Fleta was their best May. Every time they tried to play Illicit, he looked terrible. And I imagine Fitz is more of a hitscan specialist, so I, with with a Doomfist pocket. So I don't know if he has a May, but I, I, I worry for that team. But maybe we get more into that on another day. Yeah. But Dosin should be a net game. Should be. But it just... It brings the questions of will this will this feel too much like London Spitfire? Because I think they have the head coach of London Spitfire as well. Is the oh. new coach of Seoul? So yeah, will we just see the same problems that we've seen in London for the past however long? Will they rear their head again in Seoul this year? And if that happens, the league's only getting stronger. So if they fail the way they have been, it's only going to look worse than it did before. Yep. Yep. Well, alrighty. That is that is it for our show today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to Popped Off for all of their support and help. They probably... Um, Andrew was just messaging me the other day and was like, hey, um, I feel like we never talk, and I'm not sure if you need any support or help. <laughs> and I was like, well, we really haven't recorded anything in a minute, so... Um, yeah, 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 but yeah, thanks. I was away in Toronto. You yeah. started doing your job. Yeah, so that's that's why there hasn't been a show in a minute. It's been nuts. So you know we're gonna we're getting we're gonna get back on this horse here though. But thank you to them. Mm -hmm. Um, hey, make sure to check out our Zazzle store, zazzle.com/slash/calafans. You can buy those cool mugs that we have, and we'll make like ten cents. And if we make enough of those ten cents, we'll have enough money in the Zazzle store to be able to do something embroidered. Ooh, if you have to spend money to do embroidery and so far on this show, we have had a net budget of $0. Um, remember, we're available on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on all of our socials for news, updates, behind the scenes, whatever we happen to do. There's not any scenes to go behind anymore, so I'm not sure what I'm doing with my life. All right, so that's that. I'm Alurimore. I'm Haller. And you've been tuned into Calipans. We'll see you next time. <laughs>